Hey folks, do you like podcasts? Do you have hobbies? Well, here's the show for you. The Hobby Shop Talk Podcast. Featuring childhood friends and old school noobs, Luke and Matt. Hello everyone, this is Matt, and this is the Hobby Shop Talk Podcast, episode 17, and this is actually take three, and uh, we'll talk more about that, but uh, we're going to start out talking about some spoilers, uh, some banned and restricted cards, and uh, then later, which was two weeks ago, I think, uh, we'll be talking about comic books. Luke? Yeah, we're uh, time traveling, so, but yeah, now that we have, we've this is the third time recording. Our Kamigawa comes out tonight, so the pre-release events are tonight. So uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Lewis Game Shop tonight and hopefully end up playing in the pre-release tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah these uh, spoilers look pretty sweet. Yeah, we uh, so we've recorded this twice. Uh, we actually had Brent, who works at the store with me, and he he's a bigger. Well, I mean, I guess I'll explain because now since the very first time recording this, I wasn't very excited and I've slowly got a little bit more excited in each recording. So now to the point where I'm a little bit more excited, but he had more to talk about. Anyways, the recording for whatever reason didn't work. And I didn't even mention this to you, Luke. I came to the conclusion that he may just be a spirit because, you know, can hear me it hears other things, but he's talking. We can hear him. But I, so I think he may be a spirit. So Brent is uh, haunting your story, you're saying? Could, must be. Uh, there's no other explanation. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, so, yeah, because we could hear us talking <laughs> on the last two recordings. We could not hear Brent. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, anyways, let's uh, – so this the other funny thing is when we talked about the band list, list too the first time, it was like right after it came out. And now it's been out for a couple of weeks. So we're going to talk about them anyways because yeah. we're old school noobs. Now it's old news. But... Yeah, and we're old school noobs. So that's what we do. Yeah. We wait till everybody else has already talked about it, and then we say a bunch of dumb stuff about it. Then we don't – yeah, we don't give any opinion on it. We just say this was banned. Yeah. And then try to explain why and yeah. don't do a good job. So but... first is Elrune's Epiphany, and I've asked this. This is the third or fourth time, whatever it is. Luke, what do you what do you think about Elrune's Epiphany, which seemed like the biggest uh, banned card in standard? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before, how annoying it is to play, because there's nothing worse than magic than when you, like, your turn gets taken away, especially if uh, all your stuff's tapped out, so you can't even like you know answer anything they got coming. Because if you're all tapped out and then they play All Runs Epiphany, you're just like, oh, crap, yeah. let's see what they're going to do now. Yeah, so I was actually, uh, so I could talk smart during this, I pulled up, so this is on MTG Arena Zone. Uh, the big thing, it's, uh, it's heavily impacting metagame diversity. You know, it, was, it was pretty much excellent in every matchup, you know, and really nothing. Couldn't do much about it, and it's saying it's giving uh, metagame some breathing room again. So, Yeah, that's uh, one kind of like to Faceless Haven. That, I think, boosted mono-colored decks, right? So yeah. if you think about it, if mono green was good, mono white was good, and then All Runs Epiphany and Izzets, wouldn't those three kind of be battling it out? And like that seems like like a paper, rock, scissors almost. Yeah. Seems like it'd be a good standard meta, but I mean. Yep. And this, that's... It's not like when, you, I don't know if, you didn't probably play much when Oko got banned, but that was in like, I don't remember if it was like, 
the top eight were all Oko decks in one of the tournaments back when they used to do like in-person tournaments. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, that uh, I do remember the card, but yeah, I don't think I was playing then, or at least, and also not playing as much with people that you know actually care about the, you yeah. know, what's banned and what's not. Uh, I do actually. Yeah. So again, I'm going off MTG Arena Zone. It was exactly what you said. With the monocolored decks were out competing everything else besides uh, All Runes Epiphany, and that was part of the reason why Faceless Haven was uh, impacted. And then the last, which sounded like it was the the more surprising of all the three in standard, was Divide by Zero, uh, which is return target spell or permanent with mana value one or greater to its owner's hand. And then you can learn. Uh, yeah, I think that was big in that Alrun, in the Is It deck with Alrun's Epiphany. So I don't know if there, there might have been like a combo where you could return it to your hand and then keep getting bouncing their stuff back because i mean unless it's a token you're going to be able to bounce something because it's you know one or more and it was mentioning again on uh this mtg arena zone that when combined with leer disciple of the drowned or hullbreaker horror that it uh it was a pretty powerful and it was uh doing too good against more expensive cards in the format is what they say so uh yeah because i think it's uh is it a common uh, nope, it's an uncommon. uncommon yep. so, but still, yeah, it's a pretty powerful card. But that Hullbreaker, or is it Hull? Yeah, Hullbreaker Horror. That uh, is a sweet card, too. And I don't know if it'll end up getting banks. It's like, I think, seven mana. Yeah, but it's two blue out. and five other. Yeah, but I put that in my, uh, you know, I'll talk about this later, but I put it in my Kai card deck to beef it up some more. Yeah, so it's flash. The spell can't be countered. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up up to one. Return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Yeah. So essentially, if they try to cast something, you just like, you know, play something and then bounce that to their hand. Because you said it's every time you cast a spell, right? Uh, let me go back. Uh, whenever you cast a spell choose up to one yeah yeah, yeah I don't know, that could be. <laughs> oh man yeah i could see especially uh brent who has meant uh we were talking about his some of his decks with just the constantly it's uh you know drawing and playing uh artifacts and just plays about 15 cards i swear in turn yeah he would definitely be <laughs> everything would be returned to my hand uh which does end up happening anyways through other means but um next on the list is uh, the only one that i have and again this all happened during this whole process of uh, re-recording uh it's in legacy ragavan nimble Perfer, pilferer sorry and it's uh i have i'm looking here on uh the magic.wizards.com and it has the full art which i do now have in my prosper deck along with a full art uh goldspan dragon and uh yeah and First time I thought I was going to get those out, they were milled on, like, turn. Uh, so, uh, Dylan had pulled out the card where you have to, every time you untap, you have to, uh, you know, mill that many cards. And I said right away, I'm like, I bet I'm going to mill Ragavan and Goldspan, which I just had got, and I'm so excited to play. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, within the first, like, few cards that I had to mill were those two cards. Anyways, <laughs> so Ragavan... Yeah. Uh, thoughts uh on your end i know you you've played against ragavan i have not actually played against ragavan um because i don't play much modern and uh, yeah that's what it was yeah you so you didn't play much yeah. against ragavan or yeah so like i don't play modern or legacy too much so just because it's such a freaking expensive format like unless you 
I mean, I could sell the house and then try to get a nice stack. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, or you know, skip a couple mortgage payments. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a powerful card because then you can. I think most people do is play dash with it. Yep. You know, which then it gives it haste, and then you get a treasure token. And it goes back to your hand, so it can't you be can, killed or you know taken yeah, out. Yeah, and it goes back to your hand, yep. and then you can play the top card of target uh, players' yeah, library. So you can play so, some of their expensive like, cards. Yeah, which is why you have it in your uh, what deck? My is that? Exile, exile Prosper deck, Exile deck. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it's 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 good for that, but I haven't actually got to use it yet because uh, the one time I did get it out was like later in the game and I wasn't able to really you know do anything with it because there was other stuff out to block it but it seems like on this one it was actually not that it, the surprise that it was banned it was the surprise that it wasn't banned in modern yeah yeah and I think because even the guys on MTG goldfish podcast um, that we talk about quite a bit they uh they were surprised or they were thinking in either Urza saga or Regavan or maybe Luris was gonna get Banned and modern. Yeah, Urza Saga. Like none of those three happened. So yeah, that seemed like that was a big one. I know Brent uh, was a, probably was talked about that because he uses that quite a bit. We actually had two of those pulled here recently in the store. Uh, the Urza Sagas. Yep, including one that was the showcase, I think, foil or something like that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that nice. would sound like that was another surprising one that wasn't on this list. Uh, the next couple uh, are in historic, so again, probably not too much in our end to talk, talk about, but we had uh, Memory Lapse, which is a counter target spell. If that spell is countered this way, put it on top of its owner's library instead of into that player's graveyard. Yeah, I don't know if that's just they're trying to limit the amount of uh, counter spells in blue control decks, because it is, I mean, maybe I'm totally off in uh, old school new, but I don't see why it was countered when i don't know yeah yeah i don't it does yeah, well, seem that too one super actually, powerful so that's but... banned from suspended and then the next one is to fairy time traveler has been rebalanced and unbanned i know you had uh, some thoughts yeah, on that so, one or some yeah i mean that to well they call it him three fairy because he's three mana to get out or he was he was a uh, colorless white and then blue but each opponent can cast only spells or can cast spells only anytime they could cast an, a sorcery. This was his original one. So basically if they had an instant in their hand to like counter a spell, they couldn't cause they can play it at instant speed. But, uh, and then if you plussed up his, uh, loyalty until your next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. So then you can, you know, use some of those powerful sorcery yeah. spells as instant spells, which is huge. You're supposed to say that's what he said, but anyways. <laughs> so I, was, I, <laughs> I was pointing I at I actually you. have the sign right over. You can't see it, obviously, and it's a podcast, but I have the that's what she said sign right there. I was actually going back to look at something, so you know, sorry for doing <laughs> research during this show to add good content. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, and then his negative three, which was, I think, probably the biggest one. To, or that's what she said. was also very powerful. <laughs> there you go. Uh, return up to one target artifact creature or enchantment to its owner's hand, and then you get a draw card. So, but yes, now it has been rebalanced to four mana. And then let me see. So it's four mana now, it's five starting loyalty. And then your opponent can't cast spells during your turn. So essentially, you know, it took away that the instance to sorcery speed. 
and then you can still play sorceries as though they had flash if you tick it up one and then the negative three still stay the same so still pretty good yeah but i mean i think yeah with the three mana it worked really good on the curve so you know like the one mana two yeah. mana, and then three yeah. mana in some of those blue white control decks and i think even esper got it had a lot of play in esper uh decks back when it was uh back in its heyday back in the heyday now, what you were just saying is actually people are already playing. So we were doing spoilers to, you know, this is kind of a couple of weeks ago. And now Kamigawa is coming out. And I think I know Brent was playing it uh, yesterday on uh, mobile on his phone in Arena. I'm guessing uh, oh, for yeah. you as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have any gold, so uh, I couldn't purchase any packs yet. So I played, uh, I was just trying to, I'm actually playing a new command. Uh, well, Brawl deck is what it's called in uh, Arena, but I started a new commander called... He's Arcades the Strategist, so it's the green, white, and blue mana commander with, you know, one colorless, but he's pretty sweet because he's flying vigilance, and whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. And then each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it didn't have defenders so basically you get a bunch of big creatures because defenders are always you know super cheap but so i've just been playing a bunch of that try to get some gold so i can uh probably do a draft on arena and then try to get more gold and more gems nice nice yeah so i guess you know the what we can at least talk about is uh some of the things that we are more excited about so i'm just going to mention some of them that uh that we talked about with brent to start just because i know uh, he was he was more excited than I initially, which I'm starting to come around a little bit on some of the art and things. He was really excited about the full art lands and also the soft glow, which I guess is there. Uh, do you know about the soft glow, Luke? I didn't know that's what it was even called. It's just yeah. I mean, is that like a foil etched art? I don't I don't even know. I didn't honestly know too much when he was even talking about it. I still don't <laughs> know if I fully understand yeah, what just, they are. But uh, you can see some of the you know they're super bright uh, colors. I think we were looking at uh, was it like an is it the other day? I was looking at one. I think it was uh was that what it was called? Uh, is it like the is it anime and then it's uh like it has the anime co- like style art and then a bunch of bright neon colors right yeah because there was one i was looking is? at was very like th- um like a bright pink and uh i'm gonna pull it up now that we're talking about it just because right there so here we go kamigawa neon dynasty showcase treatments here we go this is uh this is from wizards and so it says Hold on. From the futuristic look and feel of the soft glow frame to the sharp aesthetic of samurai and ninja frames, this set has visual appeal around every corner. That's what they're saying. Yeah, so it's called the yeah, soft glow frame. Uh, and I think that's yeah, those, they're, uh, they're like bright, <laughs> I guess so I'd describe them. But it's, you know, I'm starting to come around on the, the art style in it in the soft glow. Yeah, I've I've never just been a big fan of anime, but I do like the Japanese style art uh, lands that are coming out. They're coming out with two of each, uh, you know, land colors. So those look pretty sweet. But the anime ones, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. What and then uh, the other part is uh, the they just released the commander deck recently, and so we didn't have that the first time, but they released uh, the power up 
and it's a white and blue, which is right up your alley, I would think. Uh, Katori Pilot Prodigy is, uh, it's the, I guess the commander. It's a legendary creature, a moonfolk pilot. And it's vehicles you control have crew two. The beginning of combat on your turn, target artifact creature you control gains lifelink and vigilance to end the turn. And there's lots of vehicles. So I'm actually interested because I've never played in a game where somebody was using vehicles. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I haven't really either. So I know there's some good ones. Like I think the Weatherlight is actually, you know, the classic story yeah, yep. way back when the Weatherlight uh, vehicle. So they made that a vehicle. Um, trying to think of what else. Uh, the Parhelion 2, which is, I mean, it costs eight mana to get out, but it's flying first strike vigilance. And whenever it attacks, create a 4 4 white angel creature token with flying and vigilance that are attacking. So it actually uh, comes, so it's, uh, it comes with Planeswalker, Jace, Architect of Thought. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't remember if that's one of the, I know there's a few Jaces that are super expensive and uh, very pop. Uh, powerful and popular so i'm sure that deck will sell pretty good yeah i'm pretty i'm actually kind of interested interested just because i mean again it's colors i don't typically use but i've never played with the uh, vehicles and i mean they actually yeah they look kind of cool so that's the power up deck and then i actually seen uh was it on game nights uh one of the youtube shows uh game nights uh commander verse i'm guessing it was game nights was already doing the uh, upgrades to it, which those are kind of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm going to mention, again, because Brent talked more about this, and he said, just mention the jellyfish. And I said, okay, I'll mention the jellyfish, because that's what he's most excited about. And that's the reality chip. It's one blue and uh, one additional. It's a legendary artifact creature, and it's an equipment jellyfish. You may look at the top card of your library any time. As long as the reality chip is attached to a creature, you may play land cards and cast spells from the top of your library. And you can reconfigure, which is a blue and two, and attached to target creature you control or unattached from a creature, reconfigure only as a sorcery. So anyways, uh, your thoughts on the reality chip. Do you have any thoughts on the reality chip? I mean, this is why we... Uh call ourselves old school noobs because like i could look through all these previews and i don't know if that one would have stood out just because i like to look more for like my types (laughs) of decks which are a lot of like attacking and big creatures and uh equipments and artifacts which i suppose that's what uh it is but i don't know blue artifacts always seem to get too uh i don't know you have to be too smart or something (laughs) something we are lacking but i mean yeah it does anytime you can look at the top card of your library is uh it's a big, uh, big advantage. Uh, and I did see, and now I'm trying to uh, look. Luke, maybe you remember. I so I had seen previously that there is a cool goblin, like a uh, ninja or something, that I was pretty excited about. And now I cannot recall what it's uh, what it's called or find it. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna filter through these colors real quick. Because it was a red, obviously. Yeah. Goblin. Um, let's see here. Can you hear that pounding? I don't know what they're doing outside my house, but I'm kind of creepy. I can. I can now. That's creepy. Oh, the scrap welder, goblin artificer, artificer. 
Biting Palm Ninja? Yeah, Biting Palm Ninja. He's uh, colorless and then a, or two colorless in a swamp. Human Ninja, and he has ninjutsu for two colorless in a swamp. And it says Biting Palm Ninja enters the battlefield with a menace counter on it, and whenever Biting Palm Ninja deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a menace counter from it. When you do that, player reveals their hand, and you choose a non-land card from it, and then you exile that card, nice. which is pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah, the excellent. art is awesome I mean, on that hate... too. The extended. And you have you have black in your uh, com- uh, commander. The, yep. Uh, uh, exile deck, yep. right? The yeah, you have to get him for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just want to find that darn. Uh... Or was he? Uh, was he multicolored? I don't know. The one I'm pumped for is that Ishin Two Heavens is One, which I actually played against on uh, Brawl today. Uh, I destroyed it, but <laughs> he's uh, he's a legendary creature for Mardu colors, so red, white, and black. And if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So, like all those goblins that when you attack, you get you know different you know abilities or effects and then white has a fewer if you attack you get like one one soldiers or one one creatures with lifelink so i think that'd be a pretty fun one to make yeah. for commander the other I, I guess i haven't actually just uh so the other one it looks like here is uh upgrades unleashed is the other commander deck it's a oh, yeah. red and green two additional the the commander is uh chishiro the shattered blade He's a snake samurai. Whenever an aura or equipment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 red spirit creature token with menace. And then at the beginning of your end step, put a 1-1 counter on each modified creature you control. Equipment, auras you control, and counters are modifications. So, uh, See, this would have been so much better with white in it. Because just think of all the awesome auras and enchantments, and it was a you know Naya colors. Yeah. Oh, it would have been perfect. I definitely would have made a deck out of that. Well, you can uh, just add it. Nope. Not, well, I have to have to switch the commander then. Oh, yeah, yeah, duh. Man, such a noob. <laughs> I know. I'm still just, I'm, I'm, you know, again, I'm still just looking for my goblin, and I didn't find him, so I'm just going to have to find him in a pack uh, next week or something when I actually have them in the store. <laughs> yeah, and then in this in this set, there's uh, whatever, two-sided uh, sagas, so... You know, the sagas, you got like three, each upkeep you take a, or you put a counter on it. And then when there's three counters on it or whatever it says on the card, you uh, exile and then transform it to, it's usually a creature. So let's see if I can. So the one, probably the one popular one will be, it's all five colors and then a colorless, the Kami War. So it's first saga, I don't remember, oh, counter. So, so the first lore counter you would exile target non-permanent and opponent controls. The second you would return up up to one other target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Then each opponent discards a card. And then the third one, you exile the saga and return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. Which then gives you a 6-6 enchantment creature dragon spirit. Okagachi made it manifest. I bet you got it right. Which, on. And then he is all colors, flying trample. Whenever he attacks, defending player chooses an online card in your graveyard, return that card to your hand. And then the creature gets plus 
x plus zero until on a turn where x is the mana value of that card. Holy cow, that was a lot to me. <laughs> but, did you get all that? <laughs> yeah, did, did the listeners get that? My nice, soothing voice. Anyway, so yeah, that's another cool thing they got in that set. Yeah, no, so I'm actually, yeah, I'm a little bit excited. Like I said, I'm curious about uh, for Commander, which we play way more of here now. I actually decided to get more Commander decks in the store because we like a lot more people have been playing uh, Commander in the store. So kind of excited to get these and try, I'm going to try, I think, the vehicle and it's you know different than what I would normally play. So uh, anything else, Luke, on Kamigawa? No, it's a side note or another magic related thing. Is are you getting those uh, challenger decks for the twenty twenty two challenger decks? Do you see those? I haven't. Uh, I seen after you posted, I was looking at them, but no, I don't have those. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Do people do people play or you know? I mean, I think they're great because they are like you know, like the name implies, they're challenger decks, so they can actually they're they're good right out of the box. Obviously, you know, people still modify them and upgrade them but what do they come as a 60 like, or 100 i mean is it a standard or a it's a 60 card yeah. standard deck or maybe pioneer slash yeah maybe pioneer i'd have to look but um they're just yeah pretty nice and i think they're cheaper than they have been because they used to be like 40 bucks and then when i was looking i think they're only 20 or 25 so yeah i don't uh like, yeah i don't Yet, just because, uh, yeah, I wasn't 100% sure if it was, uh, you know, what people would uh, play. I guess I haven't anybody ask for them. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, they do sound cool. And I'm just excited because I found Goro Goro, Disciple of Ryusai. It's one red and one additional legendary creature, Goblin Samurai. It's a 2-2. And uh, you can tap one uh, red creatures you control gain haste till the end of turn. Or tap two red and three additional and create a 5-5 five, five red dragon spirit creature token with flying. You can activate this only if you control an attacking modified creature. So again... Yeah, that modified is kind of a cool new... Um, I don't know if it's considered a mechanic, but you know they say... So now if you have equipment, auras, they count as modifications and counters. Yep, yep. So anyways, that's the one that I was uh, that I thought was pretty cool. So... Uh, so glad I found that before the end of this. It was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> but uh, also, so we're good to move on. I'm going to talk about uh, we played some a uh, couple tournaments at the store. I'm just going to mention them briefly. Uh, yeah. So the first one, we so what we do here is every other weekend is uh, a sealed six-pack. So the very first one we did uh, was Crimson Vow because it was pretty new at that point. And got Tyler won. I uh, can't recall exactly the, the whole part. I, I lost in the first round to Brent. We actually ended up playing each other first round. I My first draft, I waited till the, the very you know end because we were hoping to get enough people, and it was for Minnesota, so it was a kind of snowy day, so we ended up with like six. So Brent and I played last minute, and that didn't turn out well for me because I thought I'm going to go simple, small, flying creatures, uh, white and green, I think is what I did. Because uh, I had two cards in there, you know, this is a 40 card deck is what we play with. You know, it's usually like 20, you know, 23, uh, you know, cards and then 17 land or something. And two of the six rares I pulled was where you could mill the top 13 cards of your library and like look for a, a card. I'm like, I don't know about that, you know, when you're playing with a uh, 40 card deck. Yeah. Uh, so anyways. Uh, but yeah, I think it was Tyler who won that. Uh, and then the next one we just did, uh, 
So again, this was like new the first time we recorded this. We did Keldheim, and the thing about that one was just the pulls. We had uh, two Goldspan Dragons pulled out of the pack, so I think we did have a uh, group of eight playing, uh, as well as uh, uh, Dylan had a Kaya the Inexplorable, I think it's called, uh, and it was a full art. Uh, and then there was a couple other good cards too, but really those, I mean, uh, so the Goldspan Dragons are like 30 some bucks each, you know, so to pull those in those those draft packs, and uh, and then Dylan ended up winning, and he had that Kaya the Inexplorable. Uh, but then he, uh, so when they win, the winner gets a uh, collector's pack and a booster for first place. He ended up pull, pulling two, uh, uh, I think we just talked about this, was it, is it Dragon? One was a full art foil. Uh, is that correct? Am I saying that now? Because I'm getting messed up with the other, is it? Oh, yeah. Or wait, so what did you say? I was looking at my... Uh... <laughs> Uh, other screw. <laughs> I said uh, uh, I, was, so, I was pulling out my commander uh, deck. Anyways, they pulled uh, so the winner gets a collector's pack, and he pulled uh, two uh, of that dragon. Uh, I'm now I'm getting gold span nope, dragon. Nope, it was like the is it is it Tiamat? T, is it T, Yep, there you go. See, I Tiamat, had is Tiamat. It, is it in my head? Uh, Tiamat. Yep. Oh, is it? Nope. Just kidding. Wait, is it? Yeah. Yep. Is it in your head? <laughs> anyways. Pulled two, uh, I believe it was of those full art uh, in uh, in one collector's pack. But uh, anyways, yeah. So that's when we've been playing a lot of a lot of commander. What have you been? Uh, I know you had. So you've told this story like three times. I know there's probably some other stuff you could talk about <laughs> the games you've well, been playing. Actually, so last Friday at uh, Lewis's game shop, we played a couple games of commander with the first game at five of us, but. Uh, we got we all got stopped by Coma, so he's the Coma Cosmo Serpent is a six six legendary creature. He can't be countered and at the beginning of your upkeep, create a three three blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. And with those you can sacrifice one and tap target permanent. And then its activated abilities can't be activated this turn, or else you could also uh sacrifice it to give uh coma indestructible until end of turn and then he's seven mana to get out uh three colorless two green and two blue but basically the the guy running that deck he got world slayer out so that's uh equipment and whenever it deal that creature that's equipped deals can't combat damage you destroy every permanent every i think non-land too so yeah it is it's just every permanent's destroyed so he uh, actually cyclone rift us with overload, so everyone returned everything to their hand. And then he, yeah, swung at someone with coma, destroyed everything, but he sacked one of the serpents before that to give him indestructible. So basically, coma was out on the field, and everyone had like you know, fifteen cards in their hand, but no <laughs> mana. So <laughs> just getting destroyed. It, uh, yeah, and I think he was actually kind of he was probably just playing down a little bit just to get the game going a little bit but and then we played uh so i was using my enchantment deck with tuvasa in it and that's that mare folk for uh green white and blue and then for each enchantment it gets plus one plus one and whenever you cast your first enchantment each turn draw a card so i use that for both games and then the second game there was four of us and the guy that was using coma switched to the which one was it 
he had a wizard commander deck that had basically a bunch of wizards, mayor folks, and then counter spells. So, um, and then the other guy playing had a blue white control deck with that. Uh, let me check. Man, out that sounds like quick. a lot of uh, controls. I know. And then the, anyways, his commander. You can't cast spells that have more than than you have mana for. So you can't use like mana rocks. Oh, you geez. can't use um, treasure tokens. So yeah, it's it's pretty controlling right away, and it's only two mana to get out. Down, I forget her name. That would shut down my uh, my uh, exile, exile deck. deck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give you all those treasure tokens, so anyways, and not even be able to use them. The other guy that was playing that was using uh, the the new black and red vampire uh, commander that you get a bunch of blood tokens, yep. and he was actually on the other end. So I or like. I didn't see his deck board state too often, but it was me and him kind of at the end, like towards the end of the game that had a bigger board state and one of us would have won, but it got super late. So we just had to. That's the tough part. We haven't played multiple. We talked about that before. It is the, they usually go longer. So yeah, we do it a lot more. We actually just played yesterday a game of uh, uh, two headed giant. I actually, so I actually am using a uh, white, blue and green commander. Because I wanted to just do a new deck, and it's just easier to use a commander deck, you know, that's pre-built and start that way. So I wanted something different. I never use white and blue, uh, as I, I know we've talked about. So it's the Galia Kindler of Hope, which is from the Forgotten Realms. It's one of their commander decks. And it's a uh, Elf Knight 4-4 Vigilance. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast or an equipment spells from the top of your library. When you cast an equipment spell this way, it gains when this equipment enters the battlefield, attach the target creature you control. But uh, I played with that with Dylan, and he had his uh, dragon deck, which, yes, it was the Tiamat uh, that he had two of. One was the Borderless uh, in Foil, and I think the other one was just Borderless, maybe. But anyways, uh, so he was playing with that deck, and they were playing against... Uh, uh, Dylan and uh, Devin, or sorry, Brent and Devin. Uh, I can't recall the decks. Anyways, the point was going to be that. Uh, so I learned very quickly that uh, again, using one of the pre-builds, they're awesome. But I quickly changed a bunch of it, so I haven't played my second round. Because what I'm actually going to do, just because I wanted to try it, and it's more theme based, just because we do have all levels coming to the store too. So I'm not about, you know, I had some mana ramps, but I'm not trying to, you know, break it per se, but anyways, uh, I added a lot of uh, party stuff. So the creatures, I kind of swapped into party stuff because it's a lot of, uh, you know, equipments and things. So kind of the party style. Uh, so, but using white, blue, and green, which I don't know the last time I did that. So, uh, yeah, it's different. Welcome to the, welcome to the good side. Well, I just right away was like, I just realized I'm like, oh, this is weird. I don't have any counter spells. So I'm like, I probably should add some counter spells. God, I hate counter spells. Now I'm going to play them. I don't even know if I can do it. Well, there's everyone hates life gain. Everyone hates direct know, damage. Yeah. Everyone hates milling. Well, everyone hates exiling. It's whatever you want to complain yeah, about. It, just I just complain it. more, though, about that because I never play it and I play a lot of it against a lot of it. So that's the one I usually target because, yeah, it's like I usually have to ask. Uh, when we're playing a lot of he uses a lot of blue i'm like if you'll allow me i'm going to play <laughs> because I don't, when i know it's something good i'm like uh you know, yeah. will you let this resolve <laughs> yeah. blue player yeah yep. i try to sneak it out uh, hey look over there squirrel and then put it out past turn <laughs> <laughs> but 
We could. We should just go back to the days when it was like a two-two grizzly bear yeah. and a yeah. you know three-three trampling elephant yeah. or whatever. And yeah. Just. Just such even more noobs than we still are today. The boomer magic is, I think, what it's called nowadays. Uh, the other thing I uh, was going to talk about, it has nothing to do with this, but I knew I wanted to talk about it the last, one of the last times we recorded. It would have been in the last section. So when we fast forward to the future pretty soon to talk about comics and games and whatever else we talked about, uh, I, you know, I've been saying, I've been watching AEW wrestling and man, I love it. I'm like almost caught up, which I want to catch up because they constantly bring in new guys. But I was watching a couple different matches. It's with uh, the Spanish God. And I love the way the announcer says it. Sammy Guevara versus uh, Cody Rhodes. Uh, of course, you know, Ron- Rhodes, you know, is with uh, Dusty Rhodes' brother. The Rhodes family. Yeah. But they were, uh, did a ladder match for... Well, I think it's like the TNT title now, or maybe it's the TBS. I don't know. I can't remember. But the moves they do, they show the craziest athleticism. I mean, it's like everybody in that place can jump through the ropes, over the ropes. Uh, they, uh, that Sammy Guevara, like he, I just on the one I just watched, he bounces from one, uh, rope to another rope near it and then does a, like a, uh, cutter of some sort or like, uh, like the diamond cutter. You know, but he's bouncing off oh, yeah. the ropes. But the match I was talking about, the ladder match, I mean, they were up on these 20-some foot tall ladders, and he does uh, uh, his finisher off there. So did Cody Rhodes. I mean, just the, the craziest moves I've ever seen. And it's like the most entertaining wrestling because, I don't know, it's like this, the whole thing when they started, I guess, was like it's wrestling to four wrestlers. It's like, you know, run by wrestlers, and Cody Rhodes is one of the people. Anyways, you got to sometime check out AEW wrestling because that it takes you back to our old wrestling days. They have like uh, rankings. They actually, when they come out, you know, it's like, you know, it has their record, you know, 16 and four or whatever, you know, it has their record. Um, anyways, I don't know something about it. It's kind of got me back into watching wrestling and they do the craziest stuff half the time. I literally am like, Whoa, you know, or like, Oh my God, like it looks like they, you know, got hurt. I'm like, how are they doing these things? It kind of takes away from the if they're always constantly doing these huge moves and then like then what's their finisher? It's like well like, yeah they, they do they like do twenty like, finishers through the whole yeah match. they uh, I think I mentioned this the first time it's like when you then see other finishers it's like they're nothing compared Jake to Jake the, the stuff. Snake with the DDT it's nothing or uh, like Hogan with the leg yeah or body yeah. press but no they're they're just do some crazy stuff and they're, but they're just super entertaining I don't know and they keep bringing in more guys so anyways. I think you got to check it out sometime. So I was going to add that because that was, I couldn't, I, I wanted to talk about something one of the last times. And that's what it was. Now. Well, hopefully my uh, son or daughter ends up watching it here. One of these coming up soon. Yeah. I recommend that AEW. I just stopped uh, the, the watching WWE. There's, there's so much of it and they were too long. <laughs> there's not enough time to keep up with it. And I'm a completionist. Like I need to see it all. If I'm going to, I don't want to not know what's going on. I don't care if it's wrestling or what it is. I want to know. So I will say, I just watched, uh, I haven't watched the last match. So the Lesnar Kurt angle match, but I watched, uh, WrestleMania 19. Oh, so yeah, far, yeah, yeah. Like okay. most of it. So, nice. and I was like, I was there live. I don't remember any of the oh, really? <laughs> like any of it. Like there was a, like the Undertaker match wasn't the greatest. I don't remember who we fought now. Like watching, I was like, I don't remember this. What what was I doing the whole time? Like, Were you drinking at this I wasn't time? Even tw- well, no, I wasn't even 21. Oh, yeah, yet, so yeah. I was 20 when it happened. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. 
So it was 19, though, you say, right? Yeah, WrestleMania 19. So. I'm, all right, I'm just going to mention it because Wyatt's watched probably all those anyways, but I don't know if he knew which one you went to. Yeah. So do you remember where you were in the crowd? We were way, like, I think the tickets were 80 bucks, so they were way, way up in Safeco Field. Like, we had to watch the Titantron most of the time. Like, pretty much uh, all, the whole time, yeah. It was a fun so you time, you could have just watched it, like, you know, like a hotel room, more comfortable. And... <laughs> One of the 20-year but... anniversaries coming up. Like, I think I said this last podcast, but it's going to be out in, uh, at SoFi Stadium in California next year. So, Are you going, uh, maybe this time, though, since it's a different point in your life, you could just buy a plane ticket? Or would you road oh, trip? I'd see if the guys wanted a road trip. That would, uh, although that would probably just take a few <laughs> extra days, obviously, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But all right, well we're gonna fast forward now to the future no, and talk about to the past. Oh, wait, we're gonna yeah. go back in man, time. See, this here is now. really because it was two man, weeks we ago so when much we crazy did the stuff. other one. We have uh, a spirit trying to be on our podcast with us. We have fast forwarding to the past. That's and rewinding, then, man. Anyways, please be kind <laughs> and rewind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways, all right. On to comic books. Until next time. No, they don't know that. They don't know we're leaving. No, they'll, I know. They'll, they'll I know. think. Just kidding. All right. All right. Make sure so, you save it. But uh, the only the, the bad part here uh, is a transition is we're not going to talk more magic when it comes to the comic. But I actually think that's good because we're probably kind of catching up to, you know, where they're at in releases. And I'd prefer, it's good to be a little bit behind anyways. You know what I mean? So we're not doing too many spoilers. So. We will do issues seven and eight the next time, uh, as far as comic books go. But uh, I did read a couple, and the first one I'll talk about is because it's the one you told me I should read out of the, the ones I mentioned I got for Christmas. Uh, and this is The Joker, volume one by, I'm just going to say my favorite comic book creator, just because it seems like I've liked every one of his comics. The Woods is probably my favorite comic by James Tynion. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. The fourth, but uh, anyways, yeah. So this Joker, Arkham Asylum has been attacked, and all eyes are on the Joker. A mysterious benefactor hires former Gotham City Police Commissioner Jim Gordon to go on a global manhunt to catch and possibly kill the Clown Prince of Crime. Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of it because I think I did previously, but that's pretty much what the first issue is. Is uh, we see uh, Jim actually too. I'm just going to mention the first cover is just. Uh, awesome uh, picture of the Joker with Bane in the background. It looks like yeah, yeah. And so it starts out with Jim back before he went to uh, Gotham, and he's talking to this old uh, uh, this old cop. Uh, he th- Jim thinks he's telling him, uh, you know, because Jim is always about uh, doing right and doing the good thing. And that's why he's getting a promotion, getting sent to Gotham because he, uh, you know. He's where, you know, five cops turned in for taking bribes or something, and this cop asked him if he found his boogeyman or caught his boogeyman, and then he's like, realized, ah, you're too young, and this guy's boogeyman, he's telling him, is uh, this killer they were after, he comes in on him and she's, uh, like, eating uh, the face off of a, a woman, and asks if he wants a bite, and he tells, he tells Jim, uh, like Wesley, he said he finally learned it now, and he said, uh, there, you know, there's the law, and then and then there's evil, Jim. And when you see evil, you aim for the head. And Jim learned this quickly because well, this guy, what happened to him is the, the guy, he, you know, he tried to take him in. You know, the guy threw a knife at him, hit him in the leg, and 
escaped and they never caught him, so he's saying, you know, he now he gets his chance. And, uh, and now Jim is learning it with the Joker. He sees the Joker in his sleep, uh, you know, so it kind of moves to present day. And as I mentioned in the, you know, the, the back part here, we meet this, this woman who is trying to hire Jim to take out, uh, the Joker, not catch. You know, she wants, they want him dead and they will, he has unlimited, uh, he has an unlimited, um, like, check our bank card, you know, to do as he needs for, uh, supplies and everything. And then he gets $25 million. And so it's also, he's kind of saying this, this is getting close to retiring. He really has no money. You know, he said he might be able to make it a year or two. But so this seems like a good opportunity. And then he's remembering back to this guy telling him, you know, you can't just take him in. He's taken in the Joker, a, you know, a hundred times. It's just he always ends up getting out and then more people die. And this also, uh, as well, there's a uh, kind of start in the beginning, uh, the Joker, well, they're assuming the Joker, uh, Ar Arkham Asylum is destroyed. Um, and it was like, uh, the Joker talked and it was a different form of it. So nobody knew what was happening because usually when the Joker toxin hits, everybody's, you know, their faces curl up with a big smile and they start laughing like the Joker. You know, in, in this case, they, it was a, kind of a, a different version of that. So then they, they didn't know what was coming because nobody was laughing. They all died of this toxin. It was like 500 people died and then a bunch of people escaped. And, and uh, so that's also happening at the time, you know, kind of assuming the Joker, uh, you know, is behind some of this. And so it's a tough conundrum for Jim, who's, you know, on the straight and narrow, but, uh, you know, now getting this offer and remembering back that he should have probably taken out the Joker earlier, he would have saved a lot of people. I'm curious what he's going to do. As we also know, Batman, you know, is more, you know, uh, you know, he typically is taking in the bad guys. He's not, you know, killing them. So we haven't seen, we haven't seen Batman how he's going to, or what he's going to think about this. So that was the first issue of the Joker. I'm going to try and read a couple more before the, the next episode. What, uh, what have you been reading, Luke? Well, we'll keep with the milk, milk toast because that sounded pretty milk toast. Uh, there was a serial killer eating the face off of a woman uh, on the third page. That Batman is milk toast in the sense that he's, uh, you know, he's popular. Yeah, popular, yeah. but the comic is definitely not milk toast because it, uh, as far as the what's happening, because it can be pretty brutal. Because uh, those those bad guys in Gotham are not good people; they're murderers. <laughs> Well, in Anyways, I digress. Well, in X-Men number seven that I'm going to talk about, Cyclops gets his throat slashed. So what's how's that for milk toast? Wow, that's a transition. Spoiler there. alert. <laughs> no, yeah, in seven, they, uh, I like how I say no, yeah, a lot. I don't know if that, is that a Midwestern thing? I was going to say, you kind of said, I thought you said, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep with that Kamigawa samurai, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just good transition. Anyways. Episode or episode issue. <laughs> I get them mixed up so much. Issue seven starts off with that Dr. Fei Long talking like kind of hyping up all his his chimeras, his uh human slash animal hybrids that he's been creating. If you remember, I think it when issue two he was like experimenting a ton with like trying to get human slash animal hybrids to live longer than i think you know a few hours or whatever it was 
they show Dr. Fei Long and he has a tray of wine or what looks to be wine. And he's like cheering or cheersing with all these animal hybrids and they drink it and they instantly like go insane. And they're underneath, they're in the sewer underneath in New Jersey. So they all drink like this weird potion, whatever it is. And they so yeah, it, this is kind of a flashback. I think I just said that earlier, but uh, he's talking with Emma Frost just about uh, he's like, because, you know, they faked his death, Cyclops' death last issue. So he's wondering how it happened. And this issue kind of shows how it happened, which this is a pretty uh, spoiler alert. And I didn't catch it in the last episode, in the last issue. But it, so Captain Krakoa is actually Cyclops. So that's why Cyclops was pissed because he kind of had to change his character, I guess. And so, yeah, I didn't realize that. And I don't know how they explained it but i was watching some reviews of this issue and that's what they said so i was like oh old school noob again here not paying attention to anything in the comic book apparently oh so was it like a reveal like on scooby-doo where it had like a mask on and then he you know reveals and pulls <laughs> no, up just like <laughs> in the end of issue five it must have been or six captain krakoa is saying something like i won't let it happen again or something after one of the at his at Cyclops's vigil, one of the kids or got or uh, attendees says something to Captain Krakoa how awesome Cyclops was and he's gonna be missed. But so, anyways, this flashes back to those animal hybrids wreaking havoc in New Jersey. X Men have to come in take them out, which is pretty cool. Cyclops like shoots his beam up into a a stoplight and then it like shatters into like five different things and hits a bunch of the different animals. <laughs> which is kind of a cool uh spread on the in the in the issue. So apparently what those mutant those uh animals drank was like a accelerator for fire. So of course Sunfire's on the team. He gets called in to take care of it. Pretty much blows up a bunch of stuff. It was more of a distraction. So one of these hybrid animals takes grabs a baby from, you know, one of the bystanders. So Cyclops tries to go save it. And as Cyclops gets it, one of the, it's like a tiger slash ape slash human. That's when he gets his, like, catches Cyclops in the throat. So Cyclops is sitting there bleeding. The, the EMT comes, the medic, and is like, oh, that looks bad. And he's like, but, you know, you're still, you're still alive. And it's, you know, only cut it halfway. So then he's like, but the bad news is I'm going to cut it the rest. And that's where he finishes off Cyclops. I know, and then uh, so then they cut back to present day, and they're going over uh, like Captain Krakoa's uh, uh his armor, and there that's where it cuts back to Doctor Phalong, which you know in the beginning you thought maybe he was gonna try to defeat the X Men with these animal hybrids, but it was just a distraction, so. At the end, it's like somebody is playing a dangerous game with us and they're and they're ahead and I'm pissed off is what Dr. Phalong says. So we'll see what uh <laughs> what happens in issue eight. Well, so again, going back to some non-milk toast, but similar though, because this is a superhero comic, is I read the first issue of uh actually first two issues of Irredeemable. I'll read all this again, but uh, the just the first sentence kind of tells it all. When the 
Plutonian, the world's greatest hero, snaps and turns into the world's greatest villain, and only his former teammates have a chance at stopping his rampage. So yeah, the the world's strongest, you know, most popular superhero, you know, Superman, pretty much, you know. But in this world, it's Plutonian, and uh, right off the bat. I mean, so I'm showing Luke here, but you can see this guy's got fire in his eyes and he's looking at uh, just a child sleeping in a window. Well, then we say, uh, so it, what it is, is that, like it said, so this Plutonian is turned to the bad guy. So it starts off is uh, he's pretty much he's hunting his former teammates like he and they don't, you know, they so it's their goal. And that's what they're trying to figure out is, is how to stop him. So it's like nobody knows much about him. I mean, you're a superhero. You know, you don't uh, usually reveal much. You have your ultimate. You know, life or whatever you call it, but uh, yeah, right off the bat, we see him going after one of his former teammates. Uh, the superhero is, uh, uh, I can't recall his name, I think it says it later in the issue, but he's running to his daughter who is looking at him, you know, yelling, We gotta get going, and he's trying to get his wife to go, and you know, they're gonna pack clothes. He's like, No, we have no time for this, and all of a sudden, the whole house is just being vaporized. His wife and uh, like toddler kid are like vaporized right in front of him. And then uh, you know, they're they're going to like their cave, like to try to, to get safe, the safety. And he actually Plutonian uh, uh, shoots through the ground like a uh, page before. And I'm, I'm not going to show that here. But as these guys are running into the, the superhero carrying his other daughter, left in this cave, back cave. All of a sudden, a hand comes up through the ground, grabs his ankle, and trips him. And says, "Yeah, he went straight, you know, through the ground." Back up and grab this guy by the leg, and then you know he vaporizes the that his former teammate right in front of his daughter, and then obviously I'm pretty sure she didn't survive either. Um, but then it, uh, uh, we look at uh, they kind of jump forward, and we're seeing kind of a, it's actually a, we jump forward a week later, but it's actually a flashback. They're talking to one of his former teammates. They're trying to kind of like find out what they know about him. They're saying he's the, he's the most, uh, Plutonian the most. So what do you know about him? What they're trying to do is actually just they have to find some weakness, you know, the world's greatest superhero to stop them. So um, uh, they actually somebody mentions a him having a uh, girlfriend, I believe it was, um, and so and the guy they're talking to, they're learning some of this information. The one that's closer to him, he's actually in a grave, but he can never die uh, technically. But he's like. Can I, uh, that's all I have left in my head. Can I, can I please lie down? And then you see he's laying back down in his grave. So he was one of them that got killed, but he could never die. So I was kind of, I don't know why he went into the ground. But anyway, so they're going back, trying to find uh, ways to, to stop this guy. Right at the end of this, they actually get attacked by him. The second episode, uh, I now you got me doing it. <laughs> and this the second issue, we're going to meet some of the, the other superheroes that were on his team or in kind of their, um, you know, a little bit about them. One of them uh, is actually, they can recite uh, ghost stories from their culture and then it like forms those things. Like this is actually a samurai as he recites a um, ghost story about them and then they, you know, come into being and like fight their enemies. So that's what she does. But, uh, and uh, so we meet her. One of the people, his former teammates, was tasked with going out and finding um, this former girlfriend, seeing what she knows. Um, and what they find out is that uh, 
when she broke up with him, it's uh, she had found out that he was pretending to be this guy at her work. In the end, it was actually Plutonian and uh, uh, what's the word? Like Superman Clark Kent, his alter ego. Uh, his alias? His alias, yeah. So he was going by this this, this kind of weird dude at uh, what turned out to be his girlfriend's you know, job. Well, it's him. And so when he tells her that or, you know, reveals himself, she, you know, flips out. You know, she can't trust him anymore. You know, she doesn't know who he really is. And so that's kind of like, you know, one of the many things. So what this whole thing is, is just showing even the world's greatest superheroes, you know, there's little things like uh, uh, she ran and told everybody in her um, office, like, you know, this guy is actually Plutonian. And then he's freaked out and he's like, you know, you don't know what you just did and right away. So they worked at a radio station. I forgot to mention this. And uh, right away, they're like, we got to go on the air and tell everybody. So they're going to say, you know, this guy is actually a Plutonian. It's like a third of a second to uh, for the this the airwaves or the you know that sound to go to the airwaves and they show him shoot through the ceiling, go up into the air and smash the satellite before it can you know reveal his name. And then it ends. I don't even know what's going on, but one of the guys on this team of people trying to go after him um, is sitting in this room of all these with all these people with suits, and then they have just blank white eyes. A whole bunch of them. And so I don't know what that's about. I didn't go to issue three, but. Let's hope Superman doesn't do that. Then we'd all be in danger. I think Plutonian could beat Superman. Hmm. I mean, that might be controversial, but. (laughs) They got to do the crossover like they did with uh, Marvel and DC. Do the DC versus whatever indie comic book uh, company that is. Well, this was Boom Studios again, which seems to be my go-to. Uh, Boom Studios and Image are my go-to, but Boom Studios definitely has some uh, good stuff. So, you read anything else besides X-Men? Yeah, I read Wolverine. <laughs> when he's not. <laughs> so, pretty much so say is, is that like his side? Like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, if you're in the police sometime, you might have a side job as like, uh, you know, like a... Mercenary. Security guard. Yeah. A security guard or something, you know, is... So we got X-Men, and then when he's on his side gig, he's, you know, it's Wolverine. Yeah, well, he he's was doing... in the Avengers. He was in X-Force. Um, he was in a few other ones, probably. But, no, I got that the X-Deaths of Wolverine and then the X-Lives of Wolverine, which apparently it's 10 deaths of Wolverine. I didn't read it as uh, the Roman numeral that apparently it is. So, anyways, I read the... F- the X deaths of Wolverine. Well, I'll start with that one because I think that's first in the. I think they're going to alternate weeks, and then there's five issues a piece, so which would equal ten. Uh, but the first one was basically that uh, Moraine McTaggart, who was like an old associate of uh, Professor X. So it shows her running away from Mystique for whatever reason. Uh, so, and she used this telepat teleport thing to go back to Scotland where she's from to kind of get away from it all. But, uh, so she's on the run from Mystique. She goes to this hospital where, uh, Jane, Dr. Jane Foster, who was Thor for a little bit. I don't know if you remember that. Like, I think it's, uh, what's her name? Natalie Portman's character in the Thor movies that she was in. So she goes to her. She's like, how bad is it? They find out she has 
whatever stage four lung cancer and it's metastasized. So, but the in between that they show uh, Black Tom Cassidy, is that his name? Yeah, so they show uh, Black Tom on Krakoa at the Green Lagoon, which is like the the watering hole for the mutants in Krakoa. And he's like, there's something weird with my drink. So then the bartender's like, nah, you're just wasted, drunk. So then he goes to where they get this drink from, which is apparently like a known pond, green, weird thing. And what, uh, there's like a big egg or whatever tumor in there. And Black Tom's like, what the heck is this? But that's where it cuts to uh, that Moraine McTaggart in the hospital. And then one of the classic scenes, you know, of like, mystique she can pretend whoever she is a nurse comes in and like oh doctor they need you and then so the doctor leaves and then of course the nurse turns into mystique not too not too earth shattering but um but then that dr jane foster is also valkyrie apparently which i didn't know any of this by the way i i had to go like watch a review and they're explaining it all so I definitely got to catch up on some of my older X-Men because like this still takes place on Krakoa and it takes place right after one of the other events from one of the other runs of X-Men slash Avengers, maybe uh, some Marvel one. But uh, so anyways, they show Valkyrie save uh, that Moraine McTaggart and then cuts back to Black Tom, who's at that like weird watering hole where they get their drink from and this random person pops in uh pretty much uh, then kills black tom but it has like they kind of show a little piece of it and they do the shink you know like the wolverine shink so obviously it's wolverine or some whatever someone impersonating him uh moraine mctaggart goes gets dyes her hair cuts it short so then she's on the run from the cia and a bunch of people and so, yeah, she gets away from everyone trying to catch her. And then it cuts to the cradle in Krakoa where they have Professor X and then Marvel Girl over Wolverine's body. They're like doing something because he wears one of those helmets that Professor X and maybe kind of like the Cerebro thing or whatever. I don't know if you remember that from the, the movies. So, yeah, they're doing something with Wolverine on that table trying to telepathically do something with them not too sure what they're doing but uh they sense something is wrong and then at the the end is this cybernetic slash like robotic wolverine pops out at the end and he says uh well marvel girl's telepathically trying to get to him and she's like is that you you know wolverine but so then wolverine at the end this is the cybernetic one says, I'm no one. I was never here. Now I have to, I have to intertwine since they're so close. I'll just go back to X, X, uh, 10 lives of Wolverine. Cause I'm guessing they go every other Ten lives of Wolverine. So that's another, there's, yeah, there's two different ones and they're five each 10 okay. issues altogether. So yeah, 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine. But you know how at the end of that, that last issue of, uh, or at the X deaths of Wolverine, they were, at in Krakoa on that table with Marvel Girl and uh, Professor X. Yep. So apparently they, from what I got it, on the X lives of Wolverine, well, it kind of starts off with him, like Wolverine being like 
I don't understand time. I have no need for it. Like, you know, like what is time? <laughs> so, but what they show or from what I gathered, they were sending Wolverine kind of back in time to keep professor X alive. Cause they go back to professor X's birth, like his actual birth way back when it looks like it's about the 1920s. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't really say but so then Wolverine has to stop an assassination attempt by uh, one of my favorite X-Men villains slash Wolverine villains or nemesis is uh, Omega Red. So it's like, I don't know if you remember Omega Red has those tendrils, the Russian like Cybertron guy. I don't know what he technically is, but pretty sure he has adamantium tendrils. Nice. Anyways, pretty badass villain. So like a spirit of him took over one of the groundskeepers and then kind of turned into an old school Omega Red. So I had like bone tendrils, you know, trying to take out uh, Professor X. So whatever is like inhabiting these bodies like can leave right away. Because like right when Wolverine's about to kill that guy that's taken over by Omega Red's spirit, like Omega leaves his body. And then the guy's like, what are you doing? Don't kill me. <laughs> so... Yeah, so Wolverine ends up uh, saving Professor X, obviously. Otherwise, what would be the point? <laughs> then they kind of cut back to that same, uh, the the same place in Krakoa at the cradle where the the X deaths of Wolverine or the ten deaths of Wolverine ended. So, and then it kind of shows, which is a sweet like full spread, shows Wolverine with that cerebral type headgear on. And then it just has like a ton of different flashes of all his like first his original suit when he was fighting Hulk in that Hulk issue, Weapon X, uh, fighting Lady Deathstrike, fighting Sabretooth, fighting Omega Red, uh, get, I think getting his adamantium ripped out, growing his claws for the first time. But then all of a sudden it cuts to Wolverine with uh, Sabretooth and Maverick who were a part of like that whole Weapon X thing. Uh and Wolverine's like, what the, you know, where are we? And they're like, Wolverine, we're in the Cambodian, uh, Columbia. So they're like fighting They're When he was a mercenary with Maverick and Sabretooth, they were cuts to them in Columbia. Kind of like, it's so like, how did he get from, you know, saving Professor X years ago to Columbia and whatever, probably more closer to modern time. And then he kind of sees a hologram or like a silhouette slash ghost of Marvel Girl at the end. So yeah, and it looks like X Lives is first, so week one, and then week two will be deaths and vice versa. So looks like I should have did the X Lives first, but next week I will, or next, <laughs> next time I will. So they have those, that's how they get them coming out weekly? Yeah. Wow. I know, it's like... Good thing it's only a 10-issue run, otherwise that's going to get expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, so I didn't read, well, I probably think I probably did, but for talking-wise, but I did, I think I remember, I mentioned this once, I did get the first omnibus of The Boys, which is on Prime Video, and everybody's been talking about it, watch it, or just like I'm hearing people talking about it, and I want to watch it. But <clears throat> So I got to read the graphic novel first, because I prefer to read it, and then watch. So, yeah, the boys. And this is just funny because it kind of, I mean, it's kind of like irredeemable, but I do definitely see it. You know, you got the X-Men and I do the anti, you know, so it, so this is actually, it talks about it here. Uh, 
this is, so this is the boys again. This is uh, dynamite comics. So this one, but this is going to hurt in a world where costumes, costumed heroes soar through the sky and masked vigilantes prowl the night. Someone's got to make sure the soups don't get out of line, and someone will. Billy Butcher, Wee Huey, Mother's Milk, the Frenchman, and the female are the boys, a CIA-backed team of very dangerous people, each one dedicated to the struggle against the most most lethal force on Earth, superpower. Some superheroes have to be watched, some have to be controlled, and some some of them sometimes need to be taken out of the picture, and that's when you call in the boys. Anyways, yeah, so these guys, uh, you know, make sure the superheroes are... Uh, you know, not running amok like this Plutonian. So they could have used the boys. Anyways, yeah, people have been talking about that on Amazon Prime. So I think I'm going to try and start reading uh, this first omnibus so I can maybe start watching the show. If I ever finish Lucifer. Doesn't it, <laughs> Which, it's, it's like, it sounds like a ripoff of uh, The Incredibles. Isn't that like the premise of The Incredibles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this one looks a lot more... Uh, yeah, it's not like no adult. Film. It's adult rated, right? Yeah, not, I think not so. Adult, because, but rated R, well, not triple X, like you were thinking. Well, let me. Uh, I'll show you. I flipped through the comic, and uh, yeah, there's definitely a couple of graphic uh, scenes, both violent and uh, just a uh, couple people enjoying their each other's company. I'll just say <laughs> in the comic. We're a family podcast, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyways, is that all? That's all I read. Yeah, I mean, I read, uh, I think, issue seven of uh, Magic the Gathering, but we'll go over those seven and eight on the next one. All right. Well, and I still have to do Death's, uh, Deathstroke Inc., because I think I'm a couple issues behind on that now, but we're already running at an hour or so, so we'll uh, save that for next time, too. All right, and then well, I'm going to move. I don't have a ton for our next little area. I'm gonna, so a couple things. I've been just playing, really, World of Warcraft. I'm now at level 34 Hunter. I can't remember what I was before. I mean, I've played a ton uh, since then. What I usually do, I, like, I do a quest or two, and then I run out of time or somebody comes in the store. Because I usually try to do it over lunch. You know, I'll play a game and or play a little bit of World of Warcraft. Um but I do have some games that I'm, you know, interested in. So one of them, I think you were on an email with our friend uh, Maddie, who's I think he's the first person who always reaches out to us after the shows. So thanks, Maddie. And uh, yeah, he mentioned the forest. So I played the forest. I think I've talked about that on this. You're on a plane crash. You got these crazy monsters all coming after you. I don't call them exactly, but uh, you know, sometimes you have to separate and go off and try and find different things. And yeah, these things are coming after you and. It is the creepiest feeling because you'll be in your tiny, like I'll do this tiny little house early on just so I can survive the night. Because all of a sudden you'll hear their crazy laughs and noises they make. You know, and you can't see them because it's dark and you're in this house and all of a sudden you'll have a window and all of a sudden they'll pop right in front of the window, you know, staring at you, screaming and stuff. And man, it's a, but it's a, it's a fun game. So anyways, they have a, he had mentioned the next game and I looked it up and it's called Sons of the Forest. So that comes out in uh, May. And they do have a trailer online. They haven't released a lot of information besides the trailer. But, uh, yeah, it just looks like, you know, they've, the graphics are great in the first one, but it just looks like updated graphics and, uh, you know, uh, another awesome uh, kind of like a horror survival game. So it uh, looks like it comes out, it says, uh, May 20th. Um, so that that's the Sons of the Forest. 
Um, what have you been playing, Luke? Have you uh, got any games in with your brothers? I haven't yet. I've uh, my kids have gotten into Lego World though, which I realize is a pretty awesome game when you play on free free play, like sandbox mode. So you essentially get every just every Lego piece ever. Uh, so oh, what what is that? What are they playing on? Oh, the uh, Switch? No, PlayStation Four that we have. But um, yeah, it's pretty fun just building a ton of different stuff. Uh, yeah, that's I've only been playing that really just because. For time's sake, my kids like to play it, and uh, I tried playing a game of NHL again, but like my internet crapped out in the third period, so they literally scored like seven goals on me, and I was so pissed. But I, <laughs> I don't like to quit just to be a baby. I don't like to just uh, ah, I'm done. They're up by four goals. Like most people, yeah. if you get up by two or three goals, they just quit. I kind of I don't do that, but uh, I probably should have that time because my internet was so slow and shitty. I don't know why, but nice, nice. Uh, the other thing I was going to talk about, and I sent this to Luke, is it's a company, we're in Minnesota here, called Ship Theory Games. They've been doing a lot of things. I had I follow them on like Twitter, I think it was, and other places. They got a new logo. Uh, they do the Too Many Bones franchise, which is uh, it's an awesome, I play it solo uh, game, but they have just the, the as far as the, the pieces and just the, the product itself is just awesome. It's all the like the neoprene mats, these really heavy uh, uh, chips. You know, and chip theory, like dice chips, and they have like the pictures on them and things, but just the quality is awesome. And they just came out with a huge announcement that uh, their next game is actually uh, The Elder Scrolls Betrayal of the Second Era. And it says it's a cooperative tabletop adventure for one to four players, character building and combat inspired by Too Many Bones, which I just mentioned. It'll be on GameFound, so it's like a Kickstarter, but it's called GameFound in October. It's a game of vast exploration, intense overland and underground battles, and fast-paced character progression, tons of skills, classes, enemies, and quests discovered through a three-session campaign. It says it's their most ambitious game ever, and they've got some uh, good games, even besides chip theory games, that I also have. But uh, yeah, so that's just uh, um, some news I had seen. And uh, Luke, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, you'd seem like uh, it'd be something up here. Yeah, I mean, you'd be interested in this board game. Yeah, I know you play board games a lot more than I do, and we've tried to play a few times, but uh, you should get distracted by kids, kids or whatever when we're hanging out. But uh, yeah, I mean, it looked awesome, and I haven't really played Elder Scrolls, but that video you sent was like what ten minutes long, and they just kind of went into detail. They did like closer ups of the stuff. I don't think they wanted to give away too much stuff. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's still in development, and you know, they actually had the disclaimer still could change yep. or you know it's not solidified yet but yeah it looked awesome and the hard part is like it's like trying to find time to play D D is like when are we gonna have eight hours yeah. to to invest into this unless we you know ditch the kids for a while and the nice thing they do uh at least in like uh, too many bones they did have ways uh that they had created where you could save your kind of save your game you know then you take a picture or you think or something but they have this map that you could save your you know kind of where you're at with your character. Cause that's the cool part. Even in the too many bones, you know, you're coming up and you, they have so chips and then dice and you have your character neoprene mat and you get different dice and you're going to choose as upgrades and which abilities they're going to have. And yeah, so it's a, it's pretty cool. But anyway, so that's a game I'm looking forward to, but I think we've, uh, we've went, we've went kind of, kind of long here today. So anything else uh, on your end, Luke? 
No, I've been watching the Boba Book of Boba Fett has two more episodes, but maybe I'll just condense a couple more uh, episodes in the next podcast. But it's been pretty good. All right. Well, yeah. Well, this is uh, this has been episode seventeen of the Hobby Shop Talk podcast. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing. It, and I keep saying this, but I think we're getting closer to maybe we'll have some other things drop. Uh, whether it's you know from because uh, we've been talking about it in the store, but so keep an eye out for other hopefully episodes, and otherwise we'll be back in a couple weeks, maybe with some uh, Kamigawa cards in our hand. We'll see. So, all right. Uh, hold on. What did I say at the end? Go play some games. <laughs> and so it always throws me off because in the store <laughs> it's uh, come check us out, hang out, and uh, play some games, but. I'm just gonna say, yeah, you know, go go find uh, go find a game and uh, find some to play with, and yeah, have fun. <laughs> no, hold on, I'm gonna repeat that. I'm just gonna say, go play some games. How about that? Did you say it? Just kidding. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we got. I got. I always. It throws me off because yeah, with the store, it's like the same thing, and I'm like, what am I saying? So that's it for episode 17. Thanks for listening, and go play some. Go games. play some. All right, hold on. That's it for episode 17, and uh, until next time, go play some games.